Lord shared about Saul coming to the kingship of Israel, his early successes, and then his complete failure. In the last chat, we saw under the judge Eli the defeat by the Philistines, the capture of the, and return of the ark. This defeat <coughs> convinced the Israelites that God was no longer with them. They had to have a human king to lead them. In chapter 8 of Samuel 1, the people have had enough. They come to Samuel with the observation of his advancing age and demanding a king. Samuel <coughs> held was amounted to a revival where the people all confessed their sin of ignoring God. After reminding the people that God was their true king, Samuel outlined all the changes in their life, what a human king would create. The people demanded a human king now. And now, Samuel goes to God and God says, okay, let them have their king and all that goes with it. The year is thought to be about 1020 BC. After a search, Saul was selected. An excellent physical individual, Saul stood a head and stature above other Israelites. He probably was the best man available, but not God's choice for king. He came to the kingship unassuming and somewhat hesitant, but it did not take long for change to occur once in power. In Mizpah, Saul was chosen by sacred appointment with blessing, but not with the approval of God or Samuel. It is probable that God had intended Saul to be a deliverer in the sense of the judges, to sweep away the threat of the Philistines and keep Israel free for the man God's who had was his first choice, David. Up to this point, God had anointed priests to know and advise the people of God's words, commands, and spiritual correction. But with the coming of the kings, the office of prophet became God's choice to communicate his directions to the kings. Samuel was the last anointed priest of the nation. In 1 Samuel 10.10, God fills Saul with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesies. Again, in chapter 11, when advised of an enemy incursion, Saul is filled with the Spirit and becomes angry to leadership. He gathers the people and leads them to a decisive victory over the Amorites. God is honoring the people's choice at this point. There are two consecutive instances that give insight into Saul's failure. First, the Philistines gathered to fight the Israelites who came up and camped at Mishmash. Samuel instructs Saul to wait seven days until Samuel arrives to, to render a sacrifice to God. While Saul waits the seven days, he does not wait for the arrival of Samuel and performs the sacrifice himself. Samuel arrives and immediately pronounces a great sin. It is the priest's duty to render sacrifice, and Saul has committed a serious act of presumption to assume the responsibility. Chapter 15, God has decided to punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he set himself against him when coming up out of Egypt. The command was to utterly destroy all that he has. Do not spare him and put to death all men, women, children, and all animals. God is commanding slaughter of all. While that order seems harsh, it is an example of God's vengeance against those who deal cruelly with his people. In my opinion, many believers under, undervalue God's hatred of sin and of those who forcibly oppose him. The objective of punishment of Amalekite was actually set forth in Deuteronomy 25:19, before the Israelites ever set foot in Canaan. Once again, Saul commits a major presumption 
by taking it upon himself to destroy only the despised and worthless and save the best, including the king, Agon. The Lord says to Samuel, he has turned back from following me and not carried out my commands. It is open rebellion to do something absolutely contrary to the word of God. Samuel tells him, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you. The Lord has turned the kingdom of Israel from you this day and given it to your neighbor who is better than you. To do less than God requires is the same as doing more than he requires. We lose a great deal when we presume to do less or more than God commands. Such a tragic result. Saul had the promise and backing of God to do something great for the Israelites, but proved to be a colossal failure as king due to his insistence on doing it his way, regardless of what God commands. This is the last time he will be face-to-face with Samuel as Saul becomes increasingly belligerent. Samuel is directed by God to go to Bethlehem to anoint the king, David, that God had in mind all the time. However, he has to go under false pretenses that he is going to sacrifice. If Saul found out he was there on any other mission, his life could well be in jeopardy. Samuel's visit to Bethlehem has put fear into the elders of Bethlehem as they are keenly aware of Saul's increasingly belligerent behavior. There are two major passages in chapter 16 of 1 Samuel. Verse 13, when Samuel anoints David with oil and the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward, note, from that day forward, that means continuously. Verse 14 reads, now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him. The, Lord for, the word for evil here can be translated as troublesome, not necessarily evil in a moral sense. From James 1.13 tells us that God is not the author of evil. And we know from many of Jesus' experiences that evil spirits are subject to God's direction. So let me suggest that it would be best be read as God removed the Holy Spirit from Saul and he permitted a troublesome spirit to enter as punishment for his gross presumption and rebellion towards God. May your days be filled with blessings of peace. Good day.